Hello, welcome to another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. Scott and I have been busy. I was off on a book tour. Scott is in Berlin prepping for the arrival of David Hasselhoff, who's going to bring down the Berlin Wall once again. So today we have a Comedy History 101 select on the history of Moms Mabley, one of the most influential comedians of all time. Before we kick into the episode, just a quick plug. This Thursday, November 7th at Cinepolis, Chelsea, Scott and I will be screening our documentary short, Everything You Wanted to Know About Sudden Birth But Were Afraid to Ask. It'll be part of Doc NYC Film Festival. I'll be on hand for the Q&A afterwards. Also, take some time to comment, like, and subscribe to Comedy History 101. Why the hell wouldn't you do it? And without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. The good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody so stupid. Comedy History 101. I like to put Bob to ride your son young and old. <laughs> you know, Mom don't like old men. <laughs> no. Anytime you see me with my arms around an old man, I'm holding him for the police. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the comedy of the legendary Mom's Mabley. And this, uh, if you're wondering, is uh, another episode of our amazing award-winning podcast, Comedy History 101, where we talk about the history of comedy. And with me, as always, is Scott Kalonico. Hello, Harmon. There we go. That's yeah, I'm glad to see robot. we've grown out of the robot. Voice. Yes, yes, yeah. So, but the thing I have to, I would say that, um, like, if we call ourselves award winning, we'd have to, like, you know, actually prove that at one point. But what the a marketing trick would be to do is you could just say we're industry leading. Ah, industry leading. Yeah, industry leading. Or 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 uh, critically acclaimed. Yeah, because okay. we got we got the one good comment. Yeah, okay. That, so we, why don't we just say that? Critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so Scott, when you hear the name Moms Mabley, what comes to mind? Um, Moms Mabley, uh, kind of like your grandma, but with no teeth on the show, uh, telling some raunchy jokes, like the kind of the uh, the raunchy older lady. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, Moms Mabley, uh, amazing enough, has so many firsts as a comedian. Um, her, her career uh, spanned over 50 years. Uh, she was the first successful female stand-up comedian. Uh, again, her career spanned over 50 years. Also, the first woman comic to play the Apollo Theater in 1930. The first woman comedian to headline Carnegie Hall in 1962. Um, she recorded like 20 comedy albums in her career. Also, the oldest person to have a top 40 hit, uh, which was Abraham, Martin, and John which peaked at number 35 in 1969 when she was 75 years old, uh, the first openly gay comedian. Um, and, but most importantly, she 
uh, bridge the gap between old school vaudeville comedy and modern stand-up comedy. Yeah. For the benefit of some of you children now that don't know mom, that's the name, mom. M-O-M frontwards, M-O-M backwards, upside down, W-O-W, wow. <laughs> I would like to, I do have one bone to pick. It's not really a bone, it's just a historical discrepancy I noticed. Uh, like her, sure. so so her, her hit, uh, Abraham, Martin, and John. Uh, so if you'll see it, and people can go to the website, and we'll, we'll link this up on there. There's a clip of her singing this on the Merv Griffith Show from 1969. Has anybody here seen my old friend John? And also on, on Playboy After Dark. Okay. All right. I love it. sang it as well. Yeah. But here's <laughs> Which the is weird... a weird show. Not to digress, but that it should, was like. That could be a whole. No- Dude, I watched Deep Purple on there. It was good. Yeah. I went, Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr. was on there a lot. Yeah. We should do and also whole... Jerry Lewis. Yeah. We'll have to that. No, that's a whole other podcast. We should definitely do one about the Playboy After Dark. We will, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing. So the the point I was making was that uh, on her cover of Abraham Martin and John, uh, when uh, Merv Griffith on that on that show, like here in their notes, and I know I've seen this in a couple places, it said it was number sure. thirty five. But on the Merv Griffith show clip, he says it's number two. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I think. Maybe the comedy album was number one, but um, from what I read, it was number thirty-five. But let but let's just keep the consistent fact: it was a top forty hit. It was a top forty hit, yeah. For yeah. Actually, the oldest person to have a top forty hit. And by the way, it's kind of a touching rendition because that was another thing about Moms Mabley. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll cover this a little bit later. Uh, she started in vaudeville, like in the. I believe like in the 20s. Yeah, that's that makes about sense because she was in her 20s when she played the Apollo in – well, actually, she played the Apollo in 1930, so she must have been mm. – so, so she was in her 30s, but so she started in her 20s, so that in the 1920s. But um, where am I going with this one? Um, sorry, what was the point? I don't know the I, point. I, the point I lost mean, the I mean, you're just kind of talking about when she got started, I think, which is you know all – it's interesting. I think – but like her – her uh, her lead-in story, her backstory is even more. Uh-huh. It's pretty, I guess, tragic would be the word you could use for it. Yeah. So, oh, so my point I was trying to make was, uh, you know, she started as like a vaudevillian uh, uh, you know, comedian, like kind of like a long-form storyteller. And now we bring you that dynamic personality, Jackie Mabley. But between you and me, folks, she'd rather be called just plain mom. But, you know, in the 60s, um, she started just being really involved with the civil rights movement. And then her material was – it was pretty edgy for the time. Not like raunchy edgy, but also just like edgy edgy. We'll get more into that. And just great jokes that just cut to the bone. And uh, uh, let's just talk first maybe about her persona, which allowed her to be both – raunchy and to say like these really edgy political things what was that song you wrote help me make it through the help night. me make it through the night if you can make it for a half an hour it'll be all right with me um, she modeled her character after her great grandmother who was a former slave and her style was to wear frumpy mismatched dresses and as Scott pointed out, uh, she would occasionally take out her teeth. 
I never could work with my teeth. <laughs> You're a woman after my own heart. I wonder if she was doing... Now, was she doing that when she was in her 30s and 40s? Or is that... Well, well, here's something cool. It's like in, when she was like in the 1930s and, and 40s, um, she would be young but be playing an old woman character, uh-huh. yeah. which is Mom's Mabley, and then she just actually grew into that character. Right, yeah. So. <laughs> but, uh, her, her, yeah, her style was just kind of like talking this like really funny, gravelly voice uh, and, and she was just like really kind of like clever and wise and a lot of like sort of raunchy humor, which uh, if you're interested in another podcast, um, we kind of covered uh, the genre of raunchy comedy she was doing, which was uh, party records. She was part of the party record scene. And don't let my looks deceive you. I've been where the wild goose went. Yeah, she actually did. Who was it? Um here comes the judge. Uh, Pig, Pig Meat Market. Yep, yep. She did a couple albums with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were kind of the same genre of uh, playing at the Apollo. It was like comedians like Pig Meat Markin. And again, it was like much like comedy today. It was like a complete uh, boys club. And, you know, she, again, was the first successful female stand-up comedian. And, you know, the first female comedian to play – at the Apollo Theater. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad, but <laughs> you touched upon this. Uh, her early life, not so happy. Yeah, not so funny. Not so funny. And that, and again, uh, you know, her influences stem to, you know, like, and you can see it, like in Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Eddie Murphy, who in The Nutty Professor modeled the grandma in that movie after Mom's Mabley. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I used to always have relations every night. If a nice gentleman bring me flowers and candy, take me to the movie, show me a lovely evening, then I would take him home and give him hot, lovely relations. Relations is a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg, of course. But, like, Richard Pryor had um, this character, Mudbone. You ever see the him oh, yeah, do Mudbone. that character? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and again, I went back... Um, and I watched Richard Pryor do Mudbone. It, it almost seemed like he was doing Mom's Mabley as mm-hmm. as Mudblown. Uh, just kind of a you know long storytelling sort of format. And- you know, you can tell the caliber of a man show by his shoe. I can see you're gonna be on daytime TV. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at uh, Whoopi Goldberg's. Um, uh, I, I believe it was filmed in the 80s, like Whoopi Goldberg on Broadway when she was a stand-up, which she wasn't so much of a stand-up, but she did characters. Right, um, yeah. There's one character that was very Mom's Mabley-esque. I got a diamond exchange, Van Gogh Museum, the ballet. And in the middle of this long-ass list, I see this name that I think I recognize because it said the Anne Frank House. And I wondered, you know, if it was the same chick. You know, so I said, I'm going to go check the pad out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think I remember watching that show, and, and let's see. Uh, being a little disappointed with the lack of stand-up therein. <laughs> you wanted more joke, joke, jokes? <laughs> I wanted more joke, joke, jokes, yeah. Yeah, and so anyways, uh, Whoopi obviously uh, pays homage to Moms Mabley because she made a 2013 documentary called uh, Moms Mabley, I Got Something to Tell You. I don't know whether it was 
the voice or like the clothes or just her whole being. There was something about her that just knocked me out and knocked me out like when I was a kid. Yeah, she directed it, directed it, produced it, and uh, nominated for a couple Emmys. It was a good doc. It's just a little dated because first, uh, now it's completely weird to hear Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> insights, you just get a little creeped out. Yeah. And, and Kathy Griffith, who yeah. committed, <laughs> submitted a comedy faux pas and, <laughs> and then played the blame game like there was a conspiracy out to get her. Oh, I think – and we did talk about her in Comedy That Crosses the Edge. That's a podcast that we did as well. Another podcast we've done here on Comedy History 101 that you can go back in and check out, and we will link to that on Words Over Chair in, in, in the blog version of this. So, um, like I said, uh, Richard Pryor was heavily influenced by Moms Mabley, and, and a parallel between Richard Pryor and Moms Mabley, who was actually born Loretta Mary Aikens in, uh, on March 19th, 1894 in Brevard, North Carolina. Yeah, no, I think, you know, actually, I just realized, I think you were with me. I think we were, when we were in, um, I'm looking, just looking up right now, when we were in looking at the creepy abandoned tobacco factories in Durham, ah, I think yeah. that I remember seeing something about mom's maybe, remember that little historical center that we went to? I did, and I like that historical scene. Yeah, I, it I'm, just seemed so neglected. Yeah, they're so just, happy to have us. It's it seemed it seemed like they might have done, they might have mentioned Mom's Mabley in there somehow. So that Very she, cool. yeah, she's from. So that Brevard is by. It's kind of in the mountains. It's uh, down by Charlotte towards um, uh, Kentucky. Yeah. So. Again, another parallel to Richard Pryor, who had just like a, you know, a very hard childhood. You know, he grew up in a brothel. Uh, and she was like one of 12 children. Uh, her father, who was a volunteer firefighter, was killed when she was 11 when the fire truck exploded. And, you know, like a year or two later, her mother was like run over by a truck. Yeah, but well, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, on the on the way on Christmas Day, on the way from. Oh Christmas. shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't be laughing about that, but that's just that's how ironic. Not ironic. Just we're talking about tragedy, and that was pretty. We're tragic. talking about tragedy, and even worse tragedy. She was raped twice before the age of fifteen, and once by the white town sheriff. So yeah. just a hard. And as they say, out of uh, you know. She made adversity and, and just a horrible childhood and turned it into comedy, you know, same way that Richard Pryor did. As, but uh, when she was 14, uh, she ran away from home and moved to Cleveland and was taken in under the wing of a vaudeville act called – did you see this on the dock? The Bodville Act was called Butterbeans and Susie. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, this, their, their, their signature song, and it's great, was called I Want Your Hot Dog in My Roll. I want a hot dog for my roll. Well, here it is, here it is. I want it hot, I don't want it cold. My dog's never cold. Give me a big one, that's what I say. I want it so it will fit my bread. Awesome. Yeah, okay. All right. I can see it's how. It's kind of like, 
uh, the, the party records one. What was that? Yeah. That one. Uh, oh, the Woodpecker song. Yeah, yeah. And I was just saying that as with the party records, there was a lot of um, you putting things, things, yes, things into other things, people in bed and and yeah. uh, waving um, rolling pins and the like. Yeah, and again, she was part of that uh, later in her life when she started recording albums. She was considering that genre of uh, party records, which you can re-listen to. But uh, she was taken by Butterbeans and Susie, and uh, along with them, she started playing on the uh, Chitlin circuit, as they called it, which was uh, venues for um, black performers during the era of Jim Crow when uh, they couldn't play at white clubs. Mm-hmm. And then in 1930, uh, yeah, that's when she started playing at the Apollo. And and a fun thing, it sounds like so fun. Like during that era when you worked at the Apollo, you would do five shows a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about it's it's all about the cycling, man. You gotta do gotta do your shows. Yeah, which is that just seems so fun because like in this dock they just said you know it, there was like a sort of like a courtyard behind the Apollo and they would just play poker, so like in between shows she'd be playing poker with like pig meat Markin. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, I'll have to set the uh, the wayback machine for then. Yeah, exactly. And and then okay, so in in the height of her career, and this is like in. Like 1940s, 50s, she was making $10,000 a week. In 1940s money. In 1940s money. Oh dear, okay, that's, that's pretty, that's a lot. Yeah, so Scott, how would you describe like uh, like her jokes, like her early style of uh, jokes? Uh, well, she has a um, propensity for the younger men. That's kind of like her <laughs> ongoing thing. Um, yeah, so that's another first. She was like the first cougar. Yeah, she was kind of <laughs> add that in there. Um, that and she likes making fun of the old the old guys. Who, even though you might say that she was old as well, but she didn't think of herself that way. She would always talk about her old her old boyfriends and old stuff like that, and older guys that she would hang around with. I told him the other night. I said, let's sit down and have a talk. Somebody's got to die because I can't put up the bill. He said, all right. I'll sit down and talk to you. He said, where would you find another man like me? I said, in the graveyard. Yeah, like... um Let's see. Uh, here's her. I think her signature line was "Ain't nothing an old man can do to me except bring me a young man." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or this one, which I I should just drop in the clip, was like, uh, "I went out with one old man and he died. Thank goodness." <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was her thing. And then there, I think she had this other great joke about uh, she was like at a funeral uh, with yeah, an old is, man. This is, this is my favorite. Like, uh, yeah. why, why don't you just stick around? Yeah, why well, don't you just yeah, it. How old are you, 91? Why don't you just stick around? After the funeral's over, the preacher walked over to him and tapped him on the shoulder. He said, how old are you, Pops? He said, 91. He said, ain't no need you going home. <laughs> so... Yeah, that was kind of her shtick, like, in, in more of her, like, uh, early eras. And then... So we're talking about, like, jokes, how she influenced, like, uh, 
uh, people like Richard Pryor and, and Whoopi Goldberg. But, okay, get this one. I think she influenced one Andrew Silverstein, other known as Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, my God. Are you talking about Yakov Smirnoff's roommate? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, she would do, like, sort of dirty nursery rhymes. Really? Don't believe in them fairy tales in the first place. So don't look for none, because that Mother Hubbard going to the cupboard after dog bones and things like that, that never happened. Mother Hubbard had her gin in the cupboard and one of them squares. You know how your friends can come in, them chiselers and drink you? So she used to tell them she'd go in the cupboard to get a dog a bow. Uh, a lot of, like, kind of play on words. Like, uh, there's one joke I like where um, this guy is at heaven and he's standing at the gate. And he's like, uh, what did you die of? And he, and he goes, I had sinus trouble. And he's like, what, sinus trouble? No, no, sinus trouble. I was with this woman, and, and her husband popped out, and he's seen us. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that, that is sense, you know, like in the very early days, that's kind of like the vaudeville-type mm-hmm. joke. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, after playing the Apollo, uh, she started a few movies, like early in her career. Uh, Emperor Jones in 1933 with uh, Paul Robeson, the famous actor. Yeah, that's what I was just going to make a quick point here. But Paul Robeson's kind of been a little lost to history, but he was kind of a big deal back in the day. And he was a professional football player. Like, I think he went to Harvard or went to one of the Ivy League schools and then uh, started a career as an actor. And he was like, a famous actor, famous in the U.K. And then huh? he kind of started speaking out against the U.S. government. And they, Oh, so he got McCarthy blacklisted? Yeah, kind of along those lines. And it got, But it got to the point where... Uh, I think it was East Germany named him like a uh, – they gave him some kind of award. So there's a street oh. in East Berlin yeah. named after Paul Robeson. Um, uh, two points on that. Uh, so he played Othello. That was one right. of his big yeah. roles. Yeah. Um, and actually I'm making a video on this. The Soviet Union actually would recruit uh, a lot of African-American artists and bring them over to Moscow mm-hmm. because their whole point is like, look at your your system and it's racism where the communist system is all everyone's equal. Right, yeah. So the Soviet Union's whole plan on that was to start a communist state in the South that would be a black communist state in america so oh my God. they were they recording a lot of and, and i think paul robeson was a part of that yeah yeah but i think I, i'm he must have gone around i don't recall off the top of my head but yeah i know he did go over to eastern europe and stuff so yeah that's a little a little side uh side note no it's a, it's good side note taken yes okay all right <laughs> <laughs> then we'll go so, now we'll go back on the path all right here we go close yeah, the gate behind no, us. or it is on the path and okay. we just you know continue on the path right. okay so um early in her career she's yeah that she started with paul robeson in 1933 and then she did two other movies and then didn't do another movie until like later in her life she in 1948 she did a movie called killer diller in Boarding House Blues. Do you know the plot of Boarding House Blues? Uh, well, I, th- I believe it's one of those kind of let's put on a show movies where her threat, yes. her, her house is threatened yes. with eviction. And they all said, let's put on a show. And I guess it's kind of a uh, uh, um, an anthology kind of movie with different shows. 
pieces. Yeah, so fortunately for them in the boarding house lived a lot of very talented Oh, excellent. Oh, good. That was nice. So so it works out perfect. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> so, um, so like we said, um, you know, back in the days when she was playing the Apollo, she was like would openly uh, cross-dress and uh, her friends affectionately called her Mr. Mops which is very cool. And it's like, so on stage she would dress in these uh, frumpy like house coats, but off stage, like she would dress like Cab Calloway, like in smart suits and like slick back her hair. And, mm-hmm. and they said she always had like, you know, two like beautiful women on each arm. So she oh, was wow. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it wasn't like a, any big deal that, you know, in, in the forties that, you know, she was like an open, uh, she was a lesbian. It was just like she was just Mr. Mops. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah, so and then they, we'll put this on site, but there's this great uh, Christmas card she had where she's just dressed like Cab Calloway really? in, okay. in a man's suit and, like, doing that in the 40s. More power to you, Mops. Yeah, more power to Mops, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, another trivia about her is, like, there's not a lot of uh, recorded – material of her for the, from the first 40 years of her career. And she didn't get widespread uh, acclaim until like the 60s when, mm. when she in 1962 performed at Carnegie Hall, mostly to a broader white audience. Wow, okay. Why, and why, do we know why she decided to start going that way? I think it was just due to her popularity. And also, you know, times were changing where before, um, you know, African-American performers had to perform on the Chitlin circuit. And now it was, you know, widely acceptable to, you know, make the crossover. So basically, partly due to the changing uh, uh, racist attitudes of our country. Hmm, Okay. So, you know, again, uh, tying back to our other podcast, uh, which is what, Scott? Oh, yeah, tying back to that, this is the president, yes. Like, yeah, which... so in, in 1962, who was in office? Uh, uh, that was JFK. And Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh, right, right. he was vice president, yes, at the time. Yes. Yeah, so who's you know, eventually signed the, the Civil Rights uh, uh, Bill. That would, that would be President Johnson after uh, President Kennedy was with, was with us no more. Yeah, so, you know, again, so times were changing. Uh, You know, John F. Kennedy was in the White House. um, But it wasn't until 1967 uh, that she made her uh, TV debut. And this is a great clip. It was on ABC's Stage 67, where she played a maid in in, uh, an episode called A Time for Laughter, a look at Negro humor in America. And it, it starred Godfrey Cambridge, who's a great actor. Do you know who Godfrey Cambridge is? Um, that's what I was just thinking. I think I've seen what movies was he in? Um, he was like okay. Uh, I I read his uh, IMDb page. He played Idi Amin in Raid from a Tebby was his last oh, role. Oh, dude, <laughs> Raid on a Tebby, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Idi Amin. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I he know. was like in uh, a lot of those sort of uh, black exploitation movies. Right. Uh, but great comedy actor. Oh yeah, he was in something called Oh, he's in the Watermelon Man, which I've never seen, but. It was also in The President's Analyst, which I have seen, which was pretty good. What, what, what's that one about? Uh, it's kind of like a conspiracy movie where, like, uh, the, the, everybody's trying to capture the president's psychotherapist. So it's, it's pretty fun. It's like, a, it's like a spy caper film, but funny. Like a kind of Austin Powersy. Oh, funny. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and then from there, um, she uh, got spots on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Um, funny quip there. Uh, we, we, we played a little bit of that clip up front, but she said to Tommy Smothers, who's, she says, you know what? I really like your dumber brother. <laughs> And the comedy there is Tommy was supposed to be the dumb one. Uh, some of you may have uh, not heard of her yet. She's only started recently uh, doing television. But she's often been called the funniest woman in the world. And after spending a week, Tom and I, rehearsing and working with her, we, we heartily agree. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Moms Mabley. Right, yeah. <laughs> I like it's fun, It's funny watching those, those clips again, how uh, like clean cut those dudes all looked. The Smothers Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, but they were supposed to be like in the time the edgy political guys. I know, which is it makes I think it makes it more interesting where they like were you know dressing up to look like squares, but they weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think didn't they get all like their sponsorship, like their ads all pulled because they were too edgy? Yeah, at the end, well, they got the president got mad at them and everything, but then towards their later episodes, they started to get a little like hippie. I think. Yeah, and yeah. head writer was Steve Martin. Steve Martin. And um, who else worked on there? Bob Einstein. Ah. Super Dave yeah, Osborne. Yeah. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Yeah. And the brother, yeah. of, the brother of Albert Brooks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Einstein's their actual real last name. Yep, exactly. So from there, uh, she did the Ed Sullivan show. She was on uh, the Merv Griffin show a lot. And in 1969... Uh, she was on. You can. There's a photo of her in that documentary on panel with Woody Allen. All right. Yes, on the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. Excellent. This is uh, the backside of Mom's Mabley, uh, her new album on Mercury. I don't think I'll turn it around. Turn it around, Merv. No. Uh, I'm chicken, Mom's. Uh, but it's a terrific uh, stuff. You really can't do on the show here. Oh yeah. Do it anyway. Ah. I want all my children to buy my records at all times. Ah, okay. They'll find a place for them. You ain't gonna hear nothing you ain't gonna hear in the street. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what, again, her, uh, it was the height of the civil rights movement, and their materials started becoming, like, really kind of edgy. And just because she was, like, an old lady, she could get away with, like, the stuff. Did you see that clip where she's, like, on with Merv Griffin? And Merv Griffin's going, uh, so he's like feeding her panel questions like, so I heard uh, people have a nickname for you. What is it? And she's like, uh, and she starts out where you think she's just sort of like a senile old woman. She's like, yeah, what's what's the name of that cowboy actor? Uh, and they go, uh, oh, Roy Rogers. And, and my nickname is um, the same name as his horse. What was what was his horse's name? Right. And he go Trigger. And he's like, yeah, because when I'm in the South, everyone's going, hi, Trigger. What are you doing, Trigger? <laughs> or that's at least what I think they're saying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's right. a pretty edgy joke. And yeah. it's funny, too. Right, yeah, the T word. Yeah. <laughs> and then she had jokes about, you know, LBJ signing the Civil Rights Bill. And she did a parody called Glory, Glory, Martin Luther. When I was 24, I couldn't take it no more. I packed my shopping bag and caught a bus for Baltimore. But once in Baltimore, they wanted me to go in the back door. So I said to hell Baltimore. <laughs> I'm 25. I got 
Buddha's head waiting in Harlem when I arrived. I forgot the sting that Jim Crow could bring. Thank God for Martin Luther King. Oh, well, I think my favorite joke from that era, um, she just, it's like another one of those, you know, in those genre jokes where people go to heaven and then they're at the, the mm-hmm. pearly gates before they go in. Right. So this, this guy from Mississippi goes, uh, 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 so he's like, I'm from Mississippi and I, I, uh, I, I married a white woman and then I was killed by the KKK. And then, uh, then they go, uh, oh, what, wh- when did you get married? And he goes, five minutes ago. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a great joke. And yeah. again, with their like old lady persona. No, no, I was just going to say, I think she did some kind of like a fake White House album. I was trying to look it up. I was trying to find it. I was like, well, Mom was maybe at the White House or something. Oh, yeah. At the, yeah, so she did an album called At the White House Conference, which is uh-huh. like kind of her, you know, her take on the current events, you know, so she's got a cut on here called Me and LBJ. Just come back from the White House Conference. Oh, I was there, baby. I was there. Me and LBJ. He said, Mom, I'm glad to see you. Look at it. She's right in line. I said, Daddy, I've been wanting to ooze down here for a long, long time. Yeah, a very political uh, woman. Yeah, yeah. And and just uh, really funny, too. And she did the album also, uh, Mom's Live at Sing Sing. Wow, okay. And so she recorded at Sing Sing, and her opening bit, she's making fun of the warden. Oh, <laughs> and the prisoners are just, like, going – but she does it in a way that's, like, where it's not, like, openly making fun, but right. it's, like, where the prisoners are just dying with laughter. Okay, that's good. But first, children, I want to thank this wonderful man that made it possible for Mom to be out up here today. And that's Warden Lehman. Lehman. The Warden, come out here a minute, son. Come on out, baby. Thank Thank you so much for bringing me up here. All of these is Mom's children, and I brought something for you. Two of Mom's latest album, one called Abraham, Martin, and John, and the other one is called What Generation Grab? <laughs> now you just go home and put them on your machine, and laugh yourself to death because they punish. Oh, another another great joke, uh, in case I can't drop it in. Um, she's talking about she got pulled over by the police uh, for going through a red light. Because she goes, okay, uh, and the officer asks, uh, why did you go through the red light? And she goes, um, well, I see all the white people going through the green light, so I figure the red light was for us. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, just like just great jokes. So, yeah. um, and again to wrap up her final movie role, she started a movie called Amazing Grace 
1974. At this time, we are proud to announce the motion picture debut of America's most talented, most beautiful, most exciting, most glamorous female superstar. Mom's Mabley as Amazing Grace. Yeah, when she plays the, the titular character of Grace. I'm not quite sure what the plot was about, but I did watch a, I did watch the uh, trailer, and in the trailer I did see a special guest star. I saw um, Isaac from The Love Boat. Oh, did, did he point at the camera? No, he was kind of. I could, just, I could tell it was him. <laughs> oh, wow. Like a, I think it's like a political movie where yeah. there's a corrupt political candidate yeah. and then she makes a bunch of speeches in the in the trailer I saw right. to kind of inspire a bunch of college students yeah I think I think that's it and it's very political e and she's she's and it, it has a few other stars of the era like slappy white in there and step and oh, wow. step and fetch it oh wow yeah so oh and oh man butterfly McQueen which I was like who is that and it turns out she was uh, she was in Gone with the Wind. Wow. Yeah, she was the and one. Great name. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> I don't know nothing about Birth and No Babies. That one, that was her. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I've never actually watched Gone with his Gone with the Wind in its entirety. Neither have I. <laughs> well, that was my that was my idea for us watching uh, movies like they have to be at least twenty years old, twenty year old movies that we've never seen. Ah, okay, that's a that's a whole other podcast. That is what well, it is. That's what I was just saying. That's a whole other podcast. But anyway, to wrap up, um, where do you think Mom's 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 Maybelline's place in comedy history is? Well, Mom's Mom's is still with us. I think uh, anybody who's looking to do the edgy comedy can always look to Mom's. <laughs> I mean, be coming out as a lesbian back in what nineteen thirty something. That's pretty Probably edgy. in the 20s, yeah. yeah so anyways, uh, oh, I forgot this fact. Uh, she died in 1975 at the age of 81, just yeah. so we know that mom still isn't with us. No, 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 no. She would be pretty old right now. So in the Amazing Grace was she filmed that the uh, year before she died. Yeah. So she was – and she was still kicking it. Yeah. So what you were saying is mom's place in history is the edgy comedy. Edgy comedy, but like you know, she could uh, maybe get away with a little more because she was older. It was more of that kind of comedy coming at you from the side, you know. Yeah, it's just like a lot of stuff you wouldn't uh, suspect, and it wasn't like in like it wasn't confrontational. It was like so like undersell, uh, and it just kind of sneaks up on you that. When you think, okay, oh, uh, you know, like that Roy Rogers joke when she's doing panel, it's like, oh, she kind of sounds like a senile old lady. Where's this going? You know, mm -hmm. she's not remembering the name of the cowboy actor. And then it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was all part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and then yeah. again, in place, you know, great history of like great character comedians like Richard Pryor and Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, even Eddie Murphy and, also, that bridge of gap between vaudeville comedy and modern-day stand-up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which kind of ties this all together into a nice bow to wrap things up. To wrap things up and present it as a gift to our podcast listening audience. Yeah, so on our website, Words Over Chair, we will have all the clips uh, we mentioned. You can go check that out. Uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. 
Leave a comment or two. How hard is it to no, leave a comment? No, it's not hard at all. Or rate. You know, you could rate us. You rate us? What? Click click on the star. If, yeah. if you have gone this whole distance of listening to this entire podcast, what? just right now, we'll wait. We'll wait. Just go on iTunes right now and just throw up a bunch of stars and say, yeah. good. That's all you have to do. Yeah, we'll wait. And we will read your comments on the air. Mm-hmm. Yep, just like we did. We did no, in our other yeah. president. This is the president, yeah. yes. Giving you a shout-out. Uh, anything you'd like to plug, Scott? Uh, just know we have a uh, new episode of This is the President up. We have an exclusive, uh, the story behind the yelling LBJ picture. If you're curious about that, we're going to have that up. That will be up this week. Nice. And as always, I have a book to plug. My new book is called Meet the Deplorables Infiltrating Trump America. You can check that out on Amazon. Barnes and Noble. It's now available on ebook as well. All right. So that wraps it up. Thanks a lot, everyone. All right. Bye thanks. bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy history 101.